0: That was great to hear. I missed that this morning I was out with the young people um, and I'm just, um, I don't know, almost speechless really to, to hear so many different people and how they've engaged in it in different ways. And I have to say it was hard work, um, but it wasn't my hard work. I, I would want to say a thank you to sort of Jeff and Paul and the team because with these things, it is a lot of hard work, I think. but. It takes someone to have that idea and then to push that idea and to have that vision. Um, And I was only telling someone this week, I said, oh, it's been really good, this inspired series. But I don't think I would ever got around to doing it. I needed someone to push me to do it. So I do appreciate we have people who lead us and lead us well. So um, we said this morning about our young people. Um, It's been great to see our young people engaging. And Rachel was really touched when we were out with the young people this morning. She had a, a number of the young people just telling her when we were going around the room asking them what they got out the inspired series and they were really encouraging to say how they'd got well just drawn closer to the parents i believe because they were doing stuff with the parents so um any parents out here i just want to encourage you just because we're coming towards the end of the inspired series it doesn't mean we stop reading our bible okay we can still make time for god and we still should be making time for each other anyway um i'm up here and i I'm speaking tonight, I believe, with Rachel, my dear wife. She, she stayed down there and sent me up first. Um, as you know, we've been going through um, the whole story of the Bible, the Bible storyline. And um, I'm just going to give you a quick recap. Um, I apologize if I don't put my hands down in the right places because I can't see the book titles from this side. Um, and I didn't practice. But a few weeks ago now, probably about six weeks ago, we started in Genesis And we learned about the beginning and the creation of the world. And we realized that, well, we realized just about ourselves. The world is a beautiful place, but also there's tragedy in the world. And we learned about that. And we learned about the call of Abraham and God setting aside a special people. And then from that, we moved on and we we learned about Moses being given the law. And we also learned about the Israelites going into, well, before Moses was given the law, the Israelites had gone into slavery and from slavery, they got the promised land, and Moses was sent to bring them out of the promised land. And then we moved through where Joshua went in and gained the promised land for them. And we got caught into a little cycle here, really, and it was with the judges. And I really loved how Jeff explained the judges. I, I thought it was a really good session, that one. And from the judges, we also moved into the cycle with the kings. We had good kings like King David, but we also had some bad kings like Manasseh. And um, because of that, the kingdom got divided. So we had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then from the kingdom, um, due to their wickedness, really, and their unwillingness to keep on following God, um, they went into exile. We had the prophets, prophets telling them what was going to happen. And um, the Jewish nation went into exile in two different times. We had the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom going into exile first, and then the southern kingdom. And then they came back from exile And then there was a period of 400 years, they say, and then we had the Gospels. And the Gospels, Amy, not last week but the week before, did a great thing talking about the life of Jesus and the story of Jesus. And actually, this is where the story hinges. This is the important part: Jesus, the life and death of Jesus, the resurrection of our Lord. And now we find, and Rachel and I are going to be looking at the Book of Acts and the birth of the church. And Acts is really where we find ourselves. We're in this part of the story. Um, And I can't remember it. I do listen to Jeff speaking. And it's not that I turn off from you, Jeff. But um, he showed a lovely quote from um, um, J.R. Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings about a story. And actually, we find ourselves in this story. And this is where we find ourselves in this part of the story. And Acts... Um, can be split into two parts um, you've got the first part of Acts which is chapters 1 to 12 and that's very much based in Jerusalem it's based about um, Peter around the Apostle Peter and the church growth in Jerusalem and then from there you go from chapters 13 through to 28 and you hear and it's focused and more centered on the Apostle Paul and the church and the spread of Christianity going from Minor Asia through Turkey, Greece and right through to Rome so Let's just go back. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we hear these words said by Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he was taken up from them. So Jesus gives the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we start in Acts. We start at the day, of Pente- the day of Pentecost. There's 120 believers that are gathered together. Now, Pentecost is um, a Jewish festival. And it, what's lovely about it, it's a Jewish festival of harvest. And when you think of harvest, you think of fruits, bringing in fruits. And um, I won't say too much because my wife gave me this idea and I didn't see it in her notes, but I'm sure she's going to say something about it. So the the day of Pentecost, it's uh, the festival of a harvest and you've got 120 of Jesus's followers together. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And this is is what it says in Acts 2, 2 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the spirit enabled them now what was interesting now, i don 't know how many of you have seen it or followed it, but this this wonderful symbol here and the way the books are laid out, is from the Bible course um, by andrew Ollerton, and it 's a fantastic series and my notes and what a lot of I'm saying is come from that. So I, I'm just owning up. I'm not plagiarising as such, but I'm using his work. But he, he said about two, two lots of tongues. Now, excuse me while I just grab my props. I'm going to put the big candle over here on axe to represent the day of Pentecost. And over here, I've got two smaller candles. I've got one over here where I hope Moses is. And another one here, which will be, I don't know, wherever the prophets are, I'll put it up, up there for now. And I've got a lighter. So these tongues of fire represented two different things. first one, they represented God's holy presence. And um, you think back and um, oh, this is where the, the lighter won't work, isn't it? We think that uh, Moses, when he first got called and he met um, the great I Am, and he takes off his sandals because he says this is holy ground. And what does he see? He sees a, a burning bush, a bush which isn't consumed. It just keeps on burning away. And that's representing God's holy presence. And that was the call of Moses. Later on, we also hear that Moses takes the people out into the wilderness. They get to Mount Sinai and God calls them up to meet him and actually the people are too frightened to go any closer and there's thunder and lightning in the mountains and like fire in the mountains and but the, the people are afraid and actually only Moses goes up the mountain and meets God and so we see fire as a presence of God and also Elijah we see I'll see, I'll light it off the other one I think we see Elijah in the time of the kings, um, when he feels he's the only prophet, but there was other prophets, but he felt so alone. But he felt, but really he needed to challenge the prophets of Baal to a duel. And he says to him, he says, "Let's come up Mount Carmel, let's build two altars, and um, you go first and ask your God to answer by fire, and nothing happens. And he, they spend all day. He gets them to shout louder. They even end up cutting themselves." But the gods of Baal do not answer. And then Elijah says, fill, fill, dig a trough of water and fill it with lots of water. Puts water over the altar and covers it in water. And then he calls out to God and God answers with fire his holy presence again. So there we see the holy presence. And now, what's interesting, and this is why I've got a bigger candle, which might be a smaller flame, mind you. I do apologise. Here we have Pentecost and we have the tongues of fire falling on 120 people, different people, ordinary people. Before it was almost, it was Moses, it was Elijah and a number of other people we can mention throughout the Old Testament where you hear about the Holy Spirit falling on them and God being with them. But here suddenly we can have God's presence. We can all have God's presence. The Holy Spirit can indwell in each one of us. So that's one of the mentions of tongues. And the other thing. He said, was many tongues of different languages, And if you go on to read in verses five to 10, it says, "Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven." When they heard this sound, this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, "Are all these people here speaking are not all these who are speaking Galileans?" Then how is it that each of us hear our own native language, and then we list a load of different countries? These tongues, one is the fire and the presence of God, but another one almost symbolises unity and bringing together. And if you remember right back in Genesis, we talked about the Tower of Babel and the first week. And Babel being confusion, and it's when man had come together and they wanted to build something big and they wanted to reach up to heaven and almost to say, look how good we are. But God confused them and he sent different languages to to sort of divide us, really. But here we have the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And even though we're speaking different languages, there's there's a unifying process about it. And it reminded me, when I first went out to Honduras, they all spoke Spanish. And I don't speak Spanish. But I remember going to church and meeting several other people. And there was just an instant click. And it was almost something in my spirit. I realised these people, they were God-fearing just like I was God-fearing. They were followers of Christ just like I was followers of Christ. And there was something which joined us together. Even though we didn't understand each other well, we had a, a good friendship. And now, years later, we have Pastor Wendy and Pastor Alberta running a church out there. And whenever we go to see them, there's that... Instant fellowship. And it it is, I believe, that is us being followers of Christ together. So, that's the Tower of Babel and the two tongues of fire. And then I'm going to ask Rachel to come up because what happened next is amazing, really. We have Peter standing up and giving a message.
1: It is on. Okay. Um, Thank you, Hamish. So, The Holy Spirit comes. And I want to talk to you about what happened when the Holy Spirit came. And firstly, it's about transformation. The Holy Spirit transformed. Is it still? The the Holy Spirit transformed people. And I want us to look at the life of Peter just for a few moments firstly it brought the holy spirit brought a new courage and a new boldness to peter to be a witness for christ so we see in peter a real transformation but if we go back to the gospels to the gospels we see peter the fisherman he'd been with jesus He'd seen Jesus's miracles. He'd been with him through the ups and the downs. He'd seen so many amazing things. Peter was one of his closest friends. Peter had, um, yeah, he'd been with Jesus three years, and it, they were thick as thieves. You know, he'd been there with Jesus through it all. But he also had some character flaws. Did Peter? He. Um, he sometimes put his foot in it. I don't know if any of us are like that. Sometimes we just put our foot in it, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. He was a little bit impulsive, was Peter. And we even see him cutting off the ear of a guard when Jesus was about to be arrested. He was a little bit hot headed. He was a little bit um, out there, was Peter. And many, as many of you know, um, Jesus asked his disciples to watch with him and pray with him in his darkest hour of need in in, in the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was his soul. He knew he was going to the cross and he was like, oh, he was alone and he wanted his friends to be with him and pray with him. And his loyal followers, you know what they did? They fell asleep. They fell asleep in Jesus's um, hour of need. And then Peter's not so finest moment, which we probably all know about, was where Peter denied Jesus. He said, no, I'll never deny you, Jesus. And Jesus said, before the crows, you will have denied me three times. And that's exactly what he did. And Peter, I do believe he loved the Lord Jesus. I do believe he was a close follower of Jesus, but he let him down big style. And he denied Jesus. And we see that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. He must have felt so disappointed at himself, so ashamed that he'd done the wrong thing by Jesus. His courage had failed him. Fear had got the better of him. Peter was a flawed human being, just like you and just like me. And if we were thinking about picking a dream team to go and share Jesus to the whole world. When we look at Peter in those times in the gospel, I don't know whether I'd have picked him for my team, but Jesus did. And Jesus picks us, flawed people, to do some amazing things. And I want us to remember that Jesus, I find it interesting that Jesus has spoken two really amazing things into Peter's life. This is the Peter that led him down. But in Matthew 4, 18 to 20, he said to Peter, you're a fisherman, but I'm gonna make you a fisher of people. He called Peter, he said, come and follow me and I'm gonna make you a fisher of people. And then in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said that Peter's name was a rock and on this rock, the church would be built. They were very, very bold statements for a man who felt the shame of letting his Lord down. And here in this passage in Acts, after the Holy Spirit came, we see the transformation that happened in this man's life. Peter People were mocking everybody. They were all met together as the Holy Spirit came. Tongues of fire, speaking in tongues. It would have been a little bit rowdy, I think, because everybody thought they were drunk. And we see Peter saying to the people who were mocking them, hey, it's only nine in the morning. There's nowhere these people are drunk. No bars are open at nine in the morning. They're not drunk. But he said, this is what's happening. Peter recognises the fulfilment of what the prophet had prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years ago. In Acts 2, it says this, and this is what Peter tells the people as an explanation of what is happening as the Holy Spirit is poured out, as these tongues of fire appear on people. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And then I do think it's a wonderful thing that he starts to preach then. He gets up and preaches in the same place that he denied Jesus. And he gets up not filled with shame and not filled with fear because he's been filled with the Holy Spirit and he has a new boldness and a new courage and he preaches. And what happens? 3,000 people say, I want to follow Jesus. 3,000 people are saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see Peter recommissioned, don't we? We see Peter now transformed. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And we can see that now he's become, he's starting that mission of being a fisher of men. And he is a rock on which the church is birthed and is built. And then the second transformation that happened with the coming of the Holy Spirit was the church. This radical, hope-filled and unstoppable new community of faith. So the church had been born, and we are in this space now, which is really, really exciting time to be in. I'm going to ask Hamish just to tell us a little bit about the second part of Acts before we return to this section.
0: Yes, it's, it's interesting. As we carry on reading through Acts, um, the church is growing, I and mean, to go from 120 to 3,000 is a ph- phenomenal growth, okay? The expansion, but If you read through the chapters, chapters three and four, and then chapters five and six, and again, chapters seven and eight, you see three cycles almost happening, cycles of growth and expansion, but then persecution and dispersion, and then more growth and more expansion. And if you go to chapter seven in Acts, we can take up the story of Stephen and just see how this works. Stephen was just an ordinary man. But he, he was chosen to do an administrative task to help look after some widows. Um, but it says in end of chapter 6, he was doing lots of miracles. He was just an ordinary person, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was doing work for God. And because of that, he got the attention of the authorities, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he got pulled up in front of them, and he preached to them. And actually, he does a very good... Um, probably a better, a better version of them than what I did at the start, but you can go through to see how God and how Jesus works all the way through scripture and how it ends up where he is that day. And he challenges these Pharisees about what they had done with Jesus. And they were not happy and they decided they were going to stone him. They take him out and they stone him to death. And it says, as he was dying, he shone as if he could see angels in heaven. That was the persecution. And from that, the church got spread, it got dispersed out, and they showed, and it's a shame, it was one thing we didn't actually do today, right, we often put some sort of pictures up, but there's a lovely picture of a dandelion being blown, and you can see these little seeds going everywhere, and just like a dandelion, it's a frail plant, but when the wind comes along, it takes those seeds, and it plants it into different places, and if you've got a garden, before you know it, you've got dandelions popping up in all sorts of different places, and that's the same with the persecution, when The church was persecuted. It dispersed it into different places. And one of of the people was Saul. Saul was watching um, the stoning of Stephen. He was very much against the Christians. He didn't believe in what they were saying about Jesus. He thought Jesus was a blasphemer. He thought Jesus had been killed and, and put to death on the cross. And he was that upset about these Christians. He'd got special papers and decided to go to another city to get more Christians into trouble. And he was on on the way to Damascus, and you may have heard of it, the Damascus Road experience. Paul was going along, well, Saul was going along, and a bright light comes from heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul falls to his knees, he's blinded, and um, he hears this, and he cries out, who is this? And he says, Jesus, why are you persecuting me? And um, Saul gets up, he can't see, and he's led into Damascus. And while he's in Damascus, another disciple, another follower of Jesus, is given a vision and said, will you go to Saul and lay hands on him and pray for him? Now, I don't know about you, but Ananias did question God. Ananias said, are you sure, God? Isn't this the guy who's going around persecuting Christians? And he was probably a little bit fearful. And it did make me think how often we can be asked by God to do things, but we take a step back as if I'm not sure. We have to learn to trust God. And this is where the Holy Spirit, Rachel was talking about, transforms us. It emboldens us. It gives us courage. And Ananias decided to step out. He went to a place on Straight Street, it says. He goes in. He lays hands on Saul, prays for him. And it says scales fall away from his eyes and he can see again. And after taking something to eat, Saul goes out and starts telling everyone else about the good news of Jesus. And he changes his name from Saul to a Roman name, Paul, very similar. And what was great about Paul is that he was brought up in the Jewish tradition, he was very proud of his Jewish tradition, but he had a Greek education and he was also a Roman citizen. So he had these three different skill sets in, in the background, which made meant he was really able well to communicate with the different lots of people. And he is known as our first missionary. He went to the Gentiles. They were the non-Jews. And he started off by going off to Turkey and telling the Jews there about Christianity. And then before long, he was telling the non-Jews. And that was the start of um, missionaries, really, going around, spreading. And you see, over the next 20 years, the latter chapters of um, Acts, it's almost like a travel journal of Paul going to different places and preaching the gospel. And you see it does not always go easy for him. It's not like he turns up and he preaches and everyone gets saved. There's a few times he ends up in jail. There's other times he gets stoned. There's sometimes he's going places and he's in a shipwreck and he ends up in the sea. So what I find, this is where we talk about Hebrews 4.12, about the, the Bible being active and alive. You realize that what Paul was going through, we sometimes go through. We go through hard times. It's not always plain sailing for us. We have battles at times. We don't always understand what we're doing. Paul had a great idea to go to one country. And he said, he woke up in the, in the night and said, oh no, I've been told the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to go there. But I've seen a man of Macedonia saying, come here. He allowed the Holy Spirit to guide his life. But it didn't mean it was always easy for him. But he relied on the Holy Spirit. And we come to the end of Acts. And um, by this time, Paul has gone all the way to Rome, but he's a prisoner. He's uh, he's under house arrest where he's living in a house with a jailer and a guard. And he has a certain amount of freedom, but he's still a prisoner. And you see, by then, he's writing letters. He's writing letters back to the different places he's visited. And, oh, we're over here. The the New Testament's got 27 books in it out of those 27 books, 13 of them are actually written by Paul, and they're known as letters or epistles, and most of them are written to places he'd been to, like um, he went to the church, where he went to a place called Corinth, and that's where we get the letters Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, where he writes back to the church. Um, But then there's other churches like um, Colossians, that is only from someone hearing him and then going back somewhere else and setting up a church and that's what's interesting when paul first started off preaching he went to strategic places he didn't just go anywhere he thought i'm going to go to ephesus ephesus is a really big city and that big city has influence in that area. And by preaching in Ephesus, it then spread people out to other things. He was strategic. He was adaptable when he went preaching. And this is something we still see today. I think this series we've done, has been fantastic because it shows we are willing to adapt. We're willing to try different ways. Um, just hearing, I think it was Mark on the, on the video, how he's been challenged. He said, so often we can read the Bible and run. But actually this series has taught us that actually we should be reading the Bible and praying. And it just made me think, the disciples right back in chapter one of Acts, they met together and they were waiting. They were waiting for this Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we are keen to run and we think we know the Bible, we think we know God, but sometimes we just need to slow down. We need to take time and we need to wait on God. And with that, I believe, I don't know if there's 120 people here today, but it just amazed me to think what happened in Acts is still happening today. We see the power of God still working in people's lives. We see healings, we see miracles. And actually the Holy Spirit, as I said, wasn't, isn't just for the special few, it's now for everyone. And um, with that, Rachel, do you want to come to conclude for us?
1: What Paul's been saying a lot during this series is the bible isn't for information but it's for transformation and I like that Um, so that leaves us where does it leave us in this story because we are here We are in this part of the story. And I find that really exciting that we are part of this amazing story of God that has been going on all these years. And God is still working. And God still wants to use ordinary people like you and me, which I find amazing. So a few things, a couple of things I think we can put, we can learn from Acts. So... I think there's lots of lessons we can learn in Acts, but this too, I want to bring out. Okay. In Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said to his disciples before he left, he said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. It was almost as if he was saying, look, don't start. Just don't start anything yet. You've got to wait until you are empowered. It's a little bit like um, your phone isn't much use, is it? When it's, it's got no battery life in it. But when you charge it, it does everything it is supposed to do. And I think Jesus is saying to them, I'm going, but I'm sending someone even better for you who's going to be with you. And it's the Holy Spirit. And you wait until the Holy Spirit fills you. So I think the first thing we can take away from Acts is that we shouldn't try and operate in our own strength as Christians, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were told to wait for the Spirit. It was fruitless trying to do anything without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I find that really liberating. It's not about being gifted or skilled or clever. God can use anyone And he just wants to fill you with his spirit and it's him that works through us. And then the second thing I think we can learn from Acts is that the church is mobilized and the church is you and me. It's not a building. I know people say, let's go to church, but we are the church and the church is mobilized when ordinary flawed people like me and you and Peter and Paul and all the great Bible characters are filled and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to just show you a little analogy now. I wonder if Hamish can be my glamorous assistant. Come on, Hamish. Um, Oh, he's going to bring a table. Fantastic. Okay. The Bible talks about us being filled and to keep being filled with this Holy Spirit. I don't know if any of you here have experienced being filled. Can you see that? Or am I better putting it on here? I'll put it up there. That'll be better, won't it? Goodness me. Okay. Um, The Bible tells us that it's just not a one-time thing. You get filled with the Spirit and that's it. Even though that's wonderful. We are supposed to be full of the spirit and keeping being filled with the spirit. So let's have a look. Some of us might feel a little bit full of the spirit or a little bit half full, half empty, whichever way you want to go. But being full of the spirit means we overflow. And actually, if we've stopped overflowing, something stopped pouring in. Can you see? That's what being full is. And I believe God wants to fill every single person with his spirit. And the overflow is what happens when you're full and it changes the environment around you. It's not because you're doing anything clever, but actually more of God that is poured into you. There's less of you and more of God. And as it pours over, It changes the environments. When you think of Peter preaching full of the Holy Spirit, it changed the environment. God was able to do way more than Peter could have ever done on his own. And I want to encourage you, you may feel full and overflowing tonight, but I know I often don't feel like that. And perhaps I feel, or I've known times where I felt full of the Spirit. And there's been times where I felt really empty and perhaps dry and needing filling with the Holy Spirit. But I do know that the Holy Spirit is wonderful and good and his presence, there's nothing like God's presence. And he wants us to be people who are full of God so that we can, we can do amazing things, not by our strength, but we can influence everywhere we go. And some of you may feel as though you need a fresh touch from God tonight. His spirit brings us peace. It brings us joy. It brings us all the fruits of the spirit, but it also brings you a new boldness and courage like it did for Peter. And it may be that you feel you've got a purpose that, oh, I'd love to do that for God but actually you need to just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you again and to work in and through you. And um, just like Peter and Paul's lives were transformed by the Holy Spirit, they changed the world around them just by allowing that fullness of the Spirit to be within them. So I don't know about you, Maybe you feel you've run a little bit dry um, and you need that touch of the Holy Spirit. You want to be full with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit or you don't think you have. And I would say, seek the, seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're going we're to open up the meeting shortly for some ministry time. And um, I wonder if actually Andy would, would come up as we sort of sum up and the band, that'd be great. I remember I was 16 years old. Um, I'd been a Christian for quite a while. And I remember asking God, I said, oh, I want to experience the Holy Spirit. I want to know you more. I want to know you better. And um, I would prayed lots of times and nothing seemed to happen. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it's not for me, whatever. And I remember very clearly, I went to a meeting at a conference Nobody prayed for me. I was sat on the back row. I was sat on my own. I didn't know anybody. And I just asked, whilst we were worshiping, I just asked God, I said, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Nobody even prayed with me. And I remember just a feeling of the love of God completely invariably developing me. I remember speaking in tongues. It wasn't like something took over. I could speak out in praise and I could stop. Now that's not everybody's experience, but that was my experience. And, and I had such an assurance of God's love. I knew I was a Christian, but my goodness, no one could tell me that you know, that, that, that Jesus wasn't true. It, it just made such an impact in my life. And looking back, I was a very shy teenager. And I remember I used to play in the worship team and things like that, but I was very shy. And I remember after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, people would say to me things like, oh, you've you've got a lot more confident, haven't you? And I'm like, no, have I? But actually, I'd lost that self-consciousness and I was just more aware of God. And I think he did give me a new boldness and courage. And he helped me to know that he was with me in the things he'd gifted me to do. And he increased that in my life. It was nothing to do with me. It was to do with his Holy Spirit. And there's been many times in my life where I felt, if I'm honest, that I've, I've been very dry or I've not felt close to the Lord and there's been times where God has just filled me and I've encountered him in a new and a fresh way but I do know that God wants to encounter his people and what I love about this period of history it isn't just for the ones and the twos and the special people it's for everybody he said I will pour out my spirit on all people every single one of you if anyone's sitting here tonight thinking, I'm too flawed, I'm, I'm not good enough for the Holy Spirit, it does not depend on you. It's a gift and it just needs to be received. It cannot be earned. I just want to read a lovely piece of scripture. Would you stand with us? We're going to have the prayer team all around. If you just need a touch from the Lord tonight, if you just want to be filled again, filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, I want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. We're going to just open up for ministry. We're going to worship together. I just want to ask you to ask. In Luke 11, verse 12 to 13, these are words that Jesus said. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we're going to simply ask. We're going to open our hearts and just say, God, would you give me your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And it isn't just for you, and it's wonderful for you, but it's for the people around you on Monday morning that come to work with no hope. You are the church. And the church has been mobilized. And God wants you to be part of the growth and the mobilization of the church in our day, in Plymouth, in this time. You're part of this big story. And we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own gifting. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So if God's calling you to something, a ministry you've wanted to to start or whatever, whatever it may be. Maybe something's just been put on your heart even now. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's be a people you are full of the Spirit.